Straight from the man cave, Kinnick under the kitchen. Authentic, original player art prints are being drawn up for Hawkeye fans everywhere. From under the kitchen's Murray legacy print, which features former Hawkeye Kenyon Murray, current Hawkeye Chris Murray, and current Sacramento King Keegan Murray, to football players Lucas Van Ness, Tori Taylor, and Cooper DeGene, to wrestlers Tony Cassiope, Alex Marinelli, and Real Woods. Oh, and only one of the greatest athletes to ever compete at Iowa, Spencer Lee. There are so many options available and they make great gifts. Visit Under the Kitchen on Facebook or at Under the Kitchen's new website. It's underthekitchen.square.site. That's underthekitchen.square.site. Check out Under the Kitchen today and get your authentic, original Hawkeye print. Ah, yes. The month of May here in Hawkeye Nation, as I'm joined by uh, the legendary coach Don Patterson. And Don, it's good to see your face. I know you and I have both been uh, traveling people here recently and enjoying, I think, an early summer. It seemed like it took a long time to kick winter and all of a sudden summer is here before spring began. I'm fine with that. I love the warm weather. First of all, how are you doing? And uh, good to see you back in your man cave. Doing well, Corey. I just got back, as you know from a 50th class reunion at West Point. And it was really a meaningful experience. You know, you think about it, you only graduate once from college and you only have one 50-year reunion. And it was so meaningful to see good friends that I haven't seen in some cases for all 50 years. So um, it was really a worthwhile event. I called you this morning, full disclosure. When I called you this morning, Actually, I texted you first. For, for anybody that know, I texted Don first, and I said, Don, I'd like to have you on for a show. Had nothing to do with Gary Barta's news. I texted Don first, texted him that. I then flip on to Twitter, literally seconds later. And uh, the news had broke. Uh, Pete Thamel was first on it officially uh, with uh, the report. And, of course, that was confirmed later for the university with Gary Barta announcing his decision to retire August 1st. Let's just get right into it because that is probably the main purpose of why we're here. I want to talk some football with you, Don, because we haven't talked on this channel specifically about where we stand post spring and certainly with the additions of Caleb Brown and some other portal gets. I think that's a relevant topic, but let's first talk about the most relevant topic, and that is the soon to be retired Gary Barda. Was this a a shock to you? Was it a surprise to you? What were your initial takeaways from this uh, announcement? Well, it certainly wasn't a shock, Corey. I I would call it a a mild surprise, I guess. And the reason I say that, uh, it was obvious based on the way things have gone lately that that, uh, any AD in that that situation would be subjected to some criticism for things that have happened. I'm not even saying it all lies at his feet. I'm not saying that at all. But when things go wrong, of course, people want to complain. And when I say go wrong, we're obviously not talking about all the good things that have happened. There have been a lot of good things that are happening. Uh, I was excited. I'm excited right now about Iowa baseball, and we can discuss that later. But um, the negatives that come out, of course, we've we've had some judgments in in the courts go against us, or some settlements that we've that we've had to pay, and it's amounted to a lot of money. And uh, again, I don't. I don't think he deserves all the blame for that. Uh, who knows where the blame really lies, but those are unfortunate things that, that have happened at Iowa in recent years. And and the tendency, of course, is to blame those that are in the in the highest positions. And in that regard, Gary's going to get um, 
more than his fair share of blame. Let me just give you uh, my two cents of this, Don, and you and I talked a little bit prior. Um, you know I don't mince words. Uh, I, I want to be respectful with my criticism and also recognizing the accomplishments of a guy who has been here 17 years. And it's uh, my criticisms toward Gary Barta have never been anything personal, very similar to how my criticisms regarding Brian Ferentz have never been personal. And frankly, my criticisms of Kirk Ferentz and Lisa Bluter and Fran McCaffrey are never personal. I'm not a hater of any one of those individuals. Uh, I try to call it like I see it. But the fact of the matter is, in my uh, honest opinion, Don, my uh, uh, minuscule ability to evaluate an AD is that Gary Barta has cost the university a lot of money. And people may not agree with that. Uh, I I understand that a number of these different uh, settlements and payouts were – they had various circumstances, individualized circumstances. I understand that. But when you see a pattern of behavior and you see a pattern of uh, cost to the university, I, I think you look at the top. You look to the top. And right. we've talked about the same principle applies to a position group in football. Don, you coached a number of position groups in your time. If you consistently have bad eggs and players who are not developing – you can blame the players, but I blame the coach because it's a common denominator with all these generations. And when you said that, you sounded exactly like John Hayden Fry. Because Coach Fry always said, I don't blame the players. I blame you, the coaches. And so it, we, we, go from the, we go from the top down, and you know, we've had the field hockey situation. Uh, and this is not, by the way, this is not going to be an hour, hour and a half of ripping Gary Barta, but I just want to acknowledge where I stand on it. We've had the field hockey gender uh, lawsuit that cost Iowa millions. You had the Chris Doyle, the racial situation that cost Iowa, um, it cost Iowa not only in paying Chris Doyle, but now it's cost Iowa in paying out this uh, lawsuit, whether you think it was a money grab or not. You have, I think, some blunders in handling some situations with Gary Dolphin. You have the Rabdo gate situation with Chris Doyle and Iowa football. Uh, you have, I mean, you just go down the list, Don, you have, uh, what am I missing here? I, mean, I know I'm missing a couple, but I mean, that's a long, I mean, even, even Mark Rogers, we had, we talked with Mark here uh, about an hour ago. Mark said the same thing. You know, he's not in touch with Iowa, maybe like you and I are Don, but even Mark admitted that seems like a lot for a, a condensed period of time. You're all, you're always going to have issues, but that just seems like a lot of problems in a, and don't let's not forget the title nine issues, the title nine issue with swimming elimination of a couple programs how Gary reportedly handled that, uh, how he didn't communicate. You have the lack of communication, reportedly the lack of communication with the Swarm Collective. And I've, I've had Brad Heinrichs on this very show. We had him on uh, what a week or two ago. He's never come on here and ripped Gary. I think he's a, he's a professional and he's a, a, he is a, a pro's pro at what he does. But I'm just saying that's where I stand on this situation. And I think today, regardless of what happens, today is a good day for Iowa athletics. Uh, I also want to acknowledge, if I'm going to claim to be fair and unbiased, uh, I want to acknowledge the the accomplishments that that Gary has uh, pinned. And one of those is the fact that he's had a string of good hires, Don. I mean, you mentioned the baseball program. How about Rick Heller? I mean, it's a tough place to win, any place in the Big Ten, frankly. Uh, Big Ten baseball is not a, not not an easy thing to uh, master, and uh, Rick is in line now. They're in the semifinals of the the Big Ten tournament. They're in line to uh, get an NCAA tournament berth. You've got Joey Woody, 
who's won multiple Big Ten titles with track and field. Uh, you've right. got Tom Brands, who's kept that wrestling program rolling in the, one of the top two programs in the country. Uh, Kirk Ferentz has been retained, and you can be criti- critical of Kirk all you want. The numbers speak for themselves. He has He's a Hall of Fame coach, and let's not forget that he had opportunities, several opportunities to go other places. Whether Gary was responsible for retaining him or not, you've got to give Gary credit <laughs> because if we're going to blame him in any sort for some of the issues off the field and legal issues. You, you've got to give him some credit for being able to retain Kirk. And, of course, the hiring of Fran McCaffrey. Uh, Fran has been able to bring the program back to basically what it was under Dr. Tom Davis. The numbers would indicate that. And Lisa Bluter, Jan Jensen, he's been able to retain those two phenomenal coaches. So Gary has done good things. I know everybody wants to tout fundraising. I'm going to tout some of the hires he's made. And they haven't all been good. The Todd Licklider experiment did not work out, Don. But the bottom line is, I think you got to look at this from both perspectives. I do think collectively, this is a good day for Iowa. You just feel like 17 years in with some of the recent issues. And I do think the NIL storyline and the collective, the, the the relationship between the athletic department and the Swarm Collective, all right, and the powers that be, they just need to be better. And I don't see any way, and maybe I'm completely naive to the situation, I don't see any way that this announcement today does not help that relationship grow. I just don't. Because yeah. I don't know that, uh, and I'm saying this, I'm not speaking for anybody else, certainly not Brad Heinrichs or anybody else with a swarm, but based on my observations and what's been out there, there doesn't really seem to be much of a relationship between Iowa and the swarm. And now I'm talking Kirk Ferentz or, or Fran or those guys. I'm talking about from the head of the athletic department, that has been Gary Barta. And it will be Gary Bart up until August first. Anything I'm missing, Don? Am I coming down too hard on Gary? I'm not. I'm no, not- I, I don't think so, Corey. Here's a question I have for you: Do we even know what the BLM fiasco is going to cost us yet? We don't know, do we? At this point. Well, it's going to cost them what four million dollars? Is that what it is? I wasn't sure there was a definitive amount. Well, yeah. I mean, let's not forget what a month, two months ago, we had the state of Iowa auditor demanding for Gary Barta to be relieved of his duties and right. demanding that Iowa not pay half of that $4 million settlement. Iowa since uh, basically volunteered said we're going to pay it. I don't know. I mean, does this, does this, we're having a very candid conversation, which I think is great, Don, but does this decision today scream to you uh, that he was forced out? Or is this, do you think, I mean, I know we're speculating to an extent, but what, what is your perception of how this transpired? Um, Corey, if you put a gun to my head and um, my life depended on giving you the correct answer, my best guess would be, yes, I think, I think he was encouraged to retire. Now, I don't know that. There's no way I can know it, but just based on circumstance, I would suspect that he was encouraged to step down. Uh, and, and to their credit, they gave him the, the luxury of making that decision. Uh, you think about it, what's his salary right now? It's about a million a year, isn't it? So it's, it's a same amount of money. I don't think too many guys would be prepared to walk away from that, as well as things have gone in, in, the, in the one loss column. You know, I would imagine he would like to work here a while longer, but I don't know that. I'm not a close friend of Gary and he certainly wouldn't confide in me, but, but I suspect that, that um, somewhere along the line, he was encouraged uh, to make the move. 
and I'm just curious, uh, we do have a special guest we're going to throw onto the show here in a second, but Don, uh, what has your relationship been like? I know you said you're not close friends with Gary. What has your relationship relationship been like with Gary Bardo over the years? Has there been a relationship? Well, we've, we've always uh, had a cordial relationship. He's always been very kind to me and, and quick to start up a conversation. And I've, I've tried to be equally cordial to him. Um, you know, that's the way it's been, but we haven't had any serious discussions relating to any aspect of athletics. It's simply been small talk. And um, he's heard me speak any number of times at the garden club, I guess, or maybe at the quarterback club downtown, but we've always had a, a cordial relationship and I would hope that we always will. All right, we've got a special guest who jumped on to, to join us for a few minutes. Uh, none other than Storm Leader Brad Heinrichs is with us. Brad, pleasure to see you again, sir. How are you? Good seeing you guys. All right. And nice so, to meet you, Mr. Patterson. Nice to meet you too, Brad. Thank you for all you've done for Iowa Athletics. That, it's, it's my pleasure. That is Coach Don Patterson to you. Bro. <laughs> Excuse me. Right time. So, Brad, what's it like down in uh, the sunny state of Florida? It's uh, We've had uh, Florida-like weather here over the last couple of weeks. That's what I hear. It's it's, it's about mid-80s, uh, low 90s uh, right now. So, um, you know, it's just like Iowa at this point, right? Absolutely. So let's just uh, let the, the rabbit out of the hat, uh, the cat out of the bag, if you will. Brad, your, your first reaction when you heard, when you got wind that this news was coming today, that Gary Barta would be uh, stepping away effective August 1st. Um, I was, I was a little surprised. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I thought that Gary would, would stick it out to the end of next year. That was my expectation. Um, I thought that he would retire at the end of next year. Um, it felt to me that when they hired Beth Getz last year, I think it was, um, yep. that she was going to be the heir apparent. And it was sort of a tutelage kind of period, if you will, and and that she would ultimately step into his shoes at the end of next year. Um, whether she does that, you know, I think she's the interim now. I think they named her the interim um, AD once, you know, until they do the formal search. Um, was that you know, confirmed? I've I missed that. I've been out of the loop on social media over the last couple of hours. Has that been confirmed? Uh I don't know that I've seen. I don't. I don't know that I've seen it officially. Um, okay. I'm not, right. we'll just, I, you know, but I. I think that's. I, I, think, I, I think I know that to be the case. Um, okay. But I'll, I'll let the official people tell you if it's official. But I've I've sure. been told that that was going to happen. I would imagine anybody was that was going to guess who the interim would be. They would probably guess her anyway. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I I I would be lying if I told you that. Uh, you know, I was. Um, in tears and it ruined my day and, and any of those things. Um, you know, I, I think that ultimately there comes a time um, in every person's career, including my own, where you, you feel like, you know, the, the, what the work here is done and I'm, and it's better for the institution to have somebody else leading it into the next, you know, the next era. And, I think that I think Gary realized that time was was now, and and you know he's got a lot to be a proud. He's got a lot to be proud of. He's a hawk, so I'm gonna be. I mean, I'm always gonna, you know, shake his hand and say go Hawks. Uh, you know, I don't. I, there's no ill will on my on my part. 
Um, but I would, but I also tell you, I'm really excited about uh, the future of Hawkeye athletics. Maybe with a with with somebody, hopefully, that understands that Hawk that that I that well that college athletics has changed forever, and that they're willing to embrace the new the new world. And um, if they're willing to do that, I, I think that we're going to continue to ascend as as an uh, athletics program. So uh, this was a good timing because Gary said he want, wanted to hear from you. Uh, that's Gary Watson here in our chat said he wanted to. I was like, it's probably a different Gary. Yeah, different Gary. Um, so I, I want to make something clear. Uh, uh, we, we cut out a segment from our live show here a couple of days ago, posted it to the channel just regarding some of the communication struggles. I, I don't think you are going to deny that there have been some communication struggles between you and this organization. And of course the university of Iowa and the athletic department, where has, I know we've talked about this before, Brad, but now that this news has come down, where do you think the divide started? Why, why was this so difficult to form a close relationship between the swarm and the AD? Um, I mean, it's speculative, right? Uh, if, if I had to speculate, uh, I think there are a lot of things. Um, it, it, you know, I think when you are an athletics director in an athletics department, um, I think historically you're 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 in charge of everything, and you have your you have control over everything, right? And now suddenly, what's happening is that there are things going on outside of your department that impact the department that you don't have control over. And depending upon what type of person you are, what kind of leader you are, what kind of manager of, of people you are, that can be something that you can roll with the punches and, and adjust to and adapt. Or it can be something that can, can cause um, hostility, animosity, or, or um, what's the word, word I'm looking for? Just, just something that causes you to want to, to, to withdraw. Um, and, and, you know, and I think uh, in the standpoint of Iowa athletics, I think that their conservative nature by, by nature, I think we'd all agree they tend to be conservative, which is, I mean, that, that can serve you well in certain situations. I think that that's caused them, you know, to, to, to maybe not be as, as progressive as I would like for them to be in helping us from an NIL perspective. Um, and so it, it probably it's probably a culmination of a lot of things. Um, it may be that they just don't like me. I don't know. Um, I have no idea, but, uh, but I, you know, I've said on this show, I think I, you know, I've never received a phone call from Gary, um, during the year long, the, the, the during the year that, that I've been running the swarm. Um, and I, know, I, I, again, I said earlier, I don't want to just turn into a beating session for Gary Barton, no. but let me just say that that is, I don't need either, either you two to agree or disagree. What you just said is completely absurd and ridiculous, Brad. The fact that the athletic director at Iowa has never called you once with how important and that tells me that either you have a, a, an AD who's not interested in helping the cause or doesn't understand how important this initiative is. And Don, you're, you, you didn't coach during the NIL era. You've been w watching this evolution of college athletics from the sidelines, but I know this is somewhat, uh, we're, we're just kind of speculating, but if you're in that position I know it's hard to adapt, and when you're an older guy as Gary is, it's hard to change. Change is hard, anyways, in life. But man, don't you got to communicate? I mean, how do you not communicate with the leader of the swarm? Maybe I'm just 
maybe I'm making a mountain out of a molehill, but I, I don't think I am. It's certainly surprising that, that Brad and Gary haven't had any number of phone conversations over the past year. You know, and, there, and like I said, there's, but we, whenever we've run into each other, when I'm around the, you know, around the athletics facilities, I, you know, I always shake hands and say hi. And so it's not probably like you, you, your relationship with him, coach, it's, it's cordial. There's not, I mean, he's, right. he's not, he's not a jerk. He's not a guy that, that, that no. you, that is standoffish or, or, or brash or rude or, He's not any of those things. He's a really nice guy. Um, yes, he is. You know, I think I just think that this this new era is is a is, is a is, it's it's a different world, and you know that there are different ways that people approach it, and 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 maybe maybe what the answer is, I'll, and maybe this is the way I should choose to believe it is that he didn't call me because he knows I've got it all under control. Maybe that's it. You know, um, maybe that's what I should choose. How I should choose to. To, to to look at it but um you know i'll tell you that i that i would have liked to have had some you know, additional conversations with him about things that i would like um i actually made a list of things that i want the new athletic director to do for us would you like to hear them absolutely so first of all i, I and this is just you know off the off the cuff at, at a minimum i mean I, I think season ticket holders for all of the revenue sports should have a, a, a line on their, in their season ticket holder renewal to give to the swarm. Um, I think that that, that they, they, the NCAA allows for universities, athletic departments to help raise money. They can't give money, but they can help market and raise money for, for the collectives. And, and, and it seems to me that, you know, I, if you remember, I got, chastised for asking for the the season ticket holder uh email information and you know they said oh we don't do that and whatever i'm like fine I, I i i'm totally fine to not have that information why don't you contact them for me and ask for them to 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 consider a donation to the swarm um and so i i don't think that's too much to ask in fact that seems like a no-brainer to me um they're asking for money for the iClub. why can't they ask for money for this I think that's um, why they can't ask for money for this. What's that? I think that's why they don't ask. I think that's why. And, and that gets to my that gets to my second point. So my second point is I think they need to reorganize the University of Iowa Foundation and how they compensate their people and how they evaluate their people. So these people, as I understand it, have sales quotas of some sort, right? And if I go if I'm one of them and I go to and I and, and donor X is usually going to give a hundred thousand dollars a year. I'm just making it up. And if this guy or f family decides that they're going to instead this year give fifty thousand dollars to the foundation and fifty thousand dollars to Swarm, I don't know that necessarily that should negatively impact one of the the fundraisers for the foundation. And and in fact, I think they it should. I think they should get full credit, so to speak. Right now, I think there's a disincentive for them, a financial disincentive for them to, or otherwise, uh, to, to, to get people to donate for us. Now, I, I, they're nice people, and, and, and they'll tell me or tell us that, that they you know, are, are trying to help us. But you, know, you always have, in life, you got to follow the money. And, and when someone doesn't have a financial incentive to help you, in fact, they have a financial disincentive to help you, you know, how much are they really going to help that much? Um, 
So that that's that's one thing that I think they could really change that would that would be good for Iowa athletics in general. Um, before you go on to number two, Brad, let me just comment if I could, and, and I'll see if I'm understanding what you're saying. What I hear you saying is that this is not the the issues here may not have all been Gary Barta's just Gary Barta being uh, stubborn. Uh, this is a situation where uh, we we need to reevaluate how we're. Uh, evaluating our our administrators and our people. Who, let, let's be honest. The one and I, Don and I have talked about this in this very show. But when people in the past have been critical of Gary Barta for a number of reasons, the fallback has always been, "Well, he's a really good fundraiser." fundraiser. Yeah. yeah, that's what it's been. So I understand if if that's the fallback for some some issues that have cropped up during the the Barta tenure. Uh, I can see why that may make a, a, someone like Gary Barta somewhat uncomfortable when he sees when he's actively promoting for donor money to go elsewhere i'm just yeah, yeah, yeah. Speculation, but you, can, I, you can speculate yeah I, I i just feel like this is the kind of thing we're talking about working together and and trying to to understand that we you know we need to all row in the right in the same direction and this just the the structure and i and i and i would blame athletics for the structure that they need to change the structure. The, right. the, the athletics has changed, so we need to reevaluate the way that we um, that we the way that we do things. Um, you know, and furthermore, I would tell you if you were to to do some research and look at other Power Five programs, in particular in the Big Ten, you'll notice that a lot of them are hiring NIL personnel. I, I think I just saw a school, can't remember who it was today, that, that the basketball program hired an NIL person. Okay. I mean, there are there are there are athletic departments now that say I'm going to tab you, so and so, to 100 percent of your job is to help the collective. Look for ways to help our collective be successful. Can't give them money, but you can do things to help the collective. Okay, and 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 that's we don't have anybody like that at Iowa. And I, to my knowledge, we don't we don't even have anybody that they've tabbed to say, hey, can you kind of give them some give them some lip service at least or or you know so it's nobody's job to help us at this point whereas other schools have embraced that um so that's probably the number i guess that would be number three um and, and then the next one i have is that i i think that they should reevaluate their deal with learfield um learfield as you know gives the athletic department a lot of money, many millions of dollars to have rights for the broadcasts and um, advertising rights and those kinds of things. Um, and I happen to know that Learfield uh, knows that, that, and if you're Learfield, you're a for-profit entity, right? Learfield is in the business of making money. Well, when the Hawkeyes are successful, Learfield's going to be able to charge more for advertising. They're going to be they're going to make more money when the Hawks are winning, right? That's just kind of how life works. Okay. Well, if Learfield's willing to to restructure the deal so that Learfield is paying us to as a hedge, as insurance, that the Hawkeyes are going to be successful on the field, I would like for the athletic department to take less from Learfield. So Learfield is 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 kept sort of neutral. Now all of a sudden the collective is is being funded. It's not the athletic department paying us. We have a deal with Learfield. We're a partner with Learfield. I would like to see 
Learfield pay us a substantial amount of money. And I know they'll do it if our athletic director will concede and restructure their deal. I think this would be a game changer for Iowa athletics. It would be nothing that hurts a for-profit entity. In fact, the for-profit entity Learfield will look at it as a, as a good thing for themselves because now they are, they are helping to ensure their profits. They're helping you know, that, that we're going to be better when the, when the, when the NIL collective is strong. Um, and so I would like to see that happen. And then, and then last, I would say, uh, this is something that I see almost every other athletic department, uh, do athletic director do. I want to, I want to see frequent calls to arms. And I know this sounds, make me sounds needy, make me sound, it makes me sound needy, but you know, when an athletic director says it's a new era, the swarm is the collect is, is the, is our collective we need you to give to the swarm. The swarm needs your support. The swarm is is going to is going to help us win championships. You want us to win championships. We need you. We we need your money for for facilities, but we really also need your money to be sent to the swarm collective because that does impact winning. And you guys are hawk fans and want us to see us win. So I mean, those are kinds of things that that you know I, I would like to see the next athletic director do. Any comments at, a, at a minimum. Any comments from you, Don, on any of those requests from Brad? I think they're all fair. I, I think they're all fair, and a lot of other institutions are following <laughs> that type of a, a, a structure. Well, I will admit that the foundation um, – how do I say it? I would give a lot of credit to the Iowa fan, more so than credit to the foundation for raising money. Just the, the generosity of the Iowa fan – it's significant. It really is. And, of course, TV revenue is really taking a big jump. What was the revenue for the past year, $140 million or something? I'm not sure exactly what the number is, but it's a lot of money. I know that. And part of that money, of course, comes from individual fans. I do wonder if the foundation is not so excited to see the collective simply because it's going to take away, in their mind, I'm sure it's going to take away from the money they raise. And um, there are all kinds of examples, of course, that you've already touched on, Brad. Rather than giving, let's pick a smaller donor, even a $10,000 donor. Rather than giving 10000 to the foundation, I'll give five to the foundation, five, five to the swarm. Um, well, you know, all of a sudden the revenue that they raise is going to be diminished. Uh, unless they get credit for the money that goes to the swarm. And frankly, they don't deserve as much credit for the money that goes there as, as Brad does with his people. Don, I know it's easy for me to say this, but is it fair to say with the new TV deal, that money is inconsequential? Like if, the, if it did take a hit, which it probably does to an extent everywhere, because there's only so much money from donors to go around. But, and this is, I guess, a question for both of you guys. If there's less money for the university directly to the athletic department because of de donations made to the swarm or to uh, uh, an institution's um, affiliate uh, collective, isn't it fair to say that you're going to have situations where, um, well, now I'm losing my train of thought here. I just had a, I just I just got done eating and I've I've still the protein hasn't worked its way into my brain yet, Brad. You get where I'm coming. You do you know where I'm going with this, Don? 
I think I do, yeah. Okay. One thing I've always been able to say, and it really is true, coaches for many, many years were underpaid. And no offense to those guys that are still coaching, but it's pretty amazing how much the salaries have gone up, I'll say that, because we didn't benefit from it. There was no doubt when we coached, we coached because we loved the game of football. We weren't doing it for monetary reasons. And now instead of being underpaid, frankly, many coaches are overpaid. Okay. That's just the reality of today. I recovered the thought, Don. So, so it is—is is it fair to say with with all this money coming in with the new TV deal, uh, going away from ESPN and with CBS, NBC, Fox, etc., does that loss, whatever loss you're going to take because of uh, a dist- redistribution of certain donor funds to the swarm, isn't that sort of inconsequential, Don? Isn't there so much money there that isn't it really going to besides just the numbers that each that the uh, administrators and the people, the, the the powers that be, can boast for themselves or put to their own name. Does it really matter when you've got this much money coming in from TV deals? I'm just not well enough first to, to know for sure, Corey, if that's true or not. I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, Brad, what are you, what are your thoughts? My my thoughts are that that the TV deals are incredible. And the amount of money that the amount of extra money that the Iowa Athletic Department is going to get from these television deals, uh, you know, yeah, and and that's where I've when I've tried to 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 help to get them to maybe restructure their Learfield contract, for example. And it doesn't have to be Learfield; it could be somebody else. Um, but you know, uh, you know, it seems inconsequential. You know, I'm looking at, for example, what, what what did you say, Coach? The 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 budget was like a hundred and something million bucks. I mean, I don't know I'm what it sure. is, but it, it's a big number. It, yeah, it, I thought it was. I'll tell you this, way over hundred million. If, if I suddenly had ten or fifteen million dollars, which is, you know, ten percent, we'll call it ten percent of that. If I suddenly have ten or fifteen million dollars, the impact on the field, I think, would be pretty substantial. Okay, like really substantial. And in fact, um, I think that, and I was showing a, 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 a slide the other day to, in a, in a presentation to a corporate, uh, potential corporate partner, you know, I think we're in the top three or four, um, at easily in the big 10 right now. And as far as NIL, uh, monies and, and, and fundraising and whatever, but if we don't continue to ascend, we're going to fall, we're going to get lapped. And, and so that's why I'm, you know, trying to make beer and do all sorts of crazy stuff to, to help raise money. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying, Corey. Uh, I, I, this is, this is, it's a new era, the money there's, there's plenty of money. I think there's plenty of money exactly. that they're getting. Um, and, 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 and so, you know, why not try to be creative to help out the collective? That's just, that's to me, that's the new era. That's the new problem. And that's why I think that, that other, Athletic departments are spending the money to hire someone to specifically focus on that problem. Yeah. A uh, couple things real quick before we let you slide, Brad, and I appreciate you jumping on for a, a quick sure. segment here. Uh, thank you to Lemansky for the super chat. Uh, appreciate that, Lemansky, and, and please stick around. I know I think we've got Lemansky on hold on a phone call, but Brandon wants to know, Brad, any indications that uh, Beth would be more helpful for the swarm and growing? Um, have you had any communication with the WAD? I, I've not met Beth at all. Um, I, 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 everything that I've heard about Beth has been very positive. Okay, I'll say that. 
Um, I haven't met anybody who's taken issue with anything she said or done at this point. Now, granted, she's you know sort of in the shadows. She's not she's not drawing the attention that 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 Gary has. So, um, but but I you know at this point um, I don't have anything bad to say. But I also have not talked to her at all. Um, I'm hopeful that that I'll be on her list at some point to, to, for her to reach out to. I mean, I'm, I'd love to chat with her and, and give her my list. And that's probably, that's growing by the minute here uh, of things that I think that, that they could do to, to help us. And, and um, you know, so yeah, I, I don't really have any reaction at this point. John wants to know, uh, you know anything about her being a part in building ball States NIL program? I can't imagine uh, time-wise. Do you know, have any insight on that? I mean, she was, she was, gone from ball state kind of right at the inception of this yeah i think that the one thing i'll say i mean i think that that ball state created an nil program pretty early on i don't know how well it's done i don't follow ball state um but i have read on twitter so it's got to be true right um of course I, yeah i read on twitter that that uh ball state was one of the first uh, programs, athletic department or athletic programs to have an NIL program. I don't know how much she had to do with that. Like, you know, that, that's a question. Um, I don't know. I, Iowa had nothing to do with the creation of the swarm. I can promise you that I did that all myself. Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't know. Alexander says, what do you think the chances are that the new AD lets you advertise to season ticket holders? Again, speculate. I have to think I, it's speculative, but I, doesn't this seem like a no-brainer to you guys? I, like, I know. I, I mean, yes. I, you know, I, 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 I'm fine to not get their information. Just you know, you you contact them. Like I'm, I'm totally happy. I don't, I don't, you know, I, 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 there's nothing that I really want their information for other than to see if they're interested in helping us. Um, not about the information. You know, yeah, I yeah. I'm not going to sell the information to anybody. I don't. There's nothing I want with it. I'm not going to try to sell a max world work. I assure you that <laughs> my issue, my issue with the, the, the consistent response from Iowa and, and of course, Gary Barter representing the athletic department of, well, we don't do that. My response to that is, well, that's a problem that you don't do that. That's the problem. <laughs> so well, they don't, well, I just say uh, you don't have to do that. You can do it another way. You can, you can help me. And that's, that's really the pro I guess the biggest issue that I would say I've had is, you know, we approach and we'll get the answer of no. And, and, and this is getting a little bit better by the way. So I'll, I'll give them some credit, but cause I've complained. I said, I don't just want no, give me, get, let me, what, what is it going to take to get to yes? What does yes look like? Don't just say no and hope that I walk away. Um, so great stuff. And um, Don, anything else for Brad before we let him slide here and we'll get to some phone calls? Anything else from you, Don? Well, I'm not knowledgeable enough to even ask you a good question at this point. Brad, I do appreciate yeah. your uh, efforts to help Iowa athletics. We're, we're, we're all, we're all Hawkeyes. Here. We're all Hawkeyes trying to help Hawkeyes. That's really what it's all about. And, and, and Corey, if you want me to stick around, um, I've got a I've got a kitchen pass here for a little bit longer. So if you want me to, I can or I can. Right, cool. you, you decide. You tell me. Yeah, we'll keep you on the line. We got a couple calls here, so let's get to. I believe Lemansky's been on the phone. Lemansky, are you with us? Yes, sir. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. What do you have for Coach uh, Patterson and Brad? Well, Don, this is pretty important today because I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, 
Corey and I had a conversation earlier in the day, another podcast, and I, I used the word rant improperly, I think, as a journalist. Uh, so hang in there, because I'm going to need your opinion on that. As far as Gary Barda, I don't have much to say. The chatters know I've been calling for his retirement for over nine months. And I didn't call for his retirement uh, off the tip of my head. I'm an Iowa alumnus, and there's a, a couple of things that broke the camel's back. And one of them was, and Don, I hope you're going to smile, is accountability on a seven-season win for your offensive coordinator. From my education Iowa, being a business major, made zero sense. Also, Brad's working for nothing at the expense of his business. Uh, Don donates his time. Corey's got another job. You are all ambassadors for Hawkeye Nation. And Don always comes up with something that kind of stirs my emotion. I sat in the stands and Bob Cummings in the end zone in seats that were not as good as high school stadium seats. And the scoreboard, if your vision wasn't 2020 and you forgot your glasses, you couldn't see the damn scoreboard. Okay. And Iowa fans continued to come, and and, and the, the the fundraising, and I'm sure Brad's going to understand this and why he does what he does, is that Iowa fan base that just leaders are middle income people. I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional, but we pay we pay coaches and administrators phenomenal amounts of money. money and Iowa fans just want accountability. We wanted accountability when Don probably drove a car with 100,000 miles on it and wish he could put his wife in a better, more modern car. I'll leave that and get to something more fun because I don't want to drill Barta because uh, I appreciate he stepped out with the Lady Hawks going to the Final Four. I think that's a – he's got some brains when to call it a day. The second thing I want to talk about – I talked about that uh, the Corey's rants are good for uh, Mark Rogers' show. And Corey didn't dive into that. So I, Corey made me look up the word rant because I had some journalism training. So I looked up the rant, and it's all bad. I mean, rants cause heart attacks. That's why Don lives so long because I never see him upset. I'm sure he trusts his wife to rant to her. And that's the whole thing. I trust Brad. I trust Don. I trust Corey. I try to listen to a podcast at some other venue on the internet. I listened two minutes, start laughing, shut the damn thing off, and went and went and got a sandwich. That's the quality of what you're doing. And the the, the average American fan that's raised this money, they got a bubble. What Hayden probably talked to Don about. If they don't give us a damn bubble in the Big Ten, we can't compete. The NIL is our, is our bubble, our indoor practice facility. It's an arms race with China and Russia. And most of us as fans don't get it. We don't fully comprehend what's going out there today. You know, I think uh, Corey went on a rant about USC, and I forgot uh, he's talking about an announcer that uh, got compensation when the Heisman, they took it away from him, and I forgot the USC running back. Reggie Bush. That didn't happen, I don't think, ever under the last 40 years of Iowa football, anything so outrageous. I'm sure there's some stories that could be dug up, but you know, I remember when Fran McCaffrey took the job, where did they do it the right way? I remember uh, some of Hayden's comments, but uh, 
to dig into the rant, Don, and I'll end, the sh- uh, end, the, end my call with this. Corey didn't acknowledge. He always says, I don't want to go on a rant. And I said, Corey's rants on Mark Rogers is fantastic entertainment. You know, if he doesn't go on a rant in the show ends, I kind of like, well, crap. So the definition of a rant can be healthy. I looked it up in between shows today. But you have to rant to people you trust. That's the key to the whole thing about ranting. If you rant to people you don't trust, that's unhealthy. And that's why Don has lived so long. Brad still looks good at it in his age. That's why Corey's hair is so good. And uh, I'll leave it off at that. And, and my my best fundraiser or my, my fandom comes from, like, I remember when Norm Granger, I played, Don will find this hilarious. I played intramural basketball against Iowa football team and when I went to Iowa. And we were down by 12. And I remember when Chuck Long, before the end of the first half, said, you know, Eddie Phillips can't dribble, so don't be so scared. You know, do your best. Is that Hawkeye, Hawkeye, what do you call that? We're all Hawkeyes. So Chuck Long said, just back off from little ways. You won't get burned. And he's going to take off and, you know, for a long pass for a layup. So those are your two bits of advice for the second half. You do great. Now, we were within 12 with the Iowa football team. The second half, the football team said, that's enough clown around. They beat us by 35. <laughs> but I held Eddie Phillips pretty good because he couldn't dribble. They had him at basketball team, but he couldn't dribble. But my fandom goes to the guys like Norm Granger, who who reached out to me and said, uh, "We have this certain girl in common. She's a good girl. I wish you luck with her. I kind of, I kind of uh, uh, enjoyed her getting to know her. I wish you the best of luck." And I, I didn't even know who he was. He called my first name Mark and said, "Mark, I think you're Mark." And Norm Granger later coached high school basketball in Northern Iowa. He gave back to Iowa in the form of refereeing in the state of Iowa. And there, I, can, I can't give you too many stories because I'll bog down the program, but guys like Norm Granger and my dad, who is an Iowa State graduate, who has been honored by Iowa State, one day watching TV as a youngster said, we watch Iowa State and Iowa, but you're more into the Hawks than the Cyclones. You have season tickets. You donate to the university to get tickets on the 40-yard line. Ken rose up. I'm a little bit confused. Grandpa's an Iowa State graduate, the first guy to go to college in Iowa. And he said, Mark, I'm about winning. And Iowa State has never fielded a team in football that won. And Iowa Athletics does things the right way. Today, gentlemen, Gary Barta gave us that gift. He went out in the right time. I'm I'm so happy I got tears. I'll hang up and judge Schultz. Thank you, Lemansky. And the people say I rant. (laughs) That's good. We always appreciate Lemansky's calls. But uh, (laughs) was there a question in there for one of you two? (laughs) I'll just say this. Coach Patterson, there's no way in the world you've never been on a rant. I've never met a football coach <laughs> once that didn't that didn't go on a rant at some point. I've had a few. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get to uh, we've got um, let's see a couple comments that I want to get to. First of all, the real Hayden says, "Make a clone of Brad and make him the new AD." Problem solved. Well, then Brad, <laughs> if he's the AD, he can't be the leader of the swarm. So what are we going to do then? I think I could probably – well, one, I wouldn't be qualified. Two, I'd probably be a bad AD. Three, um, I think that I could actually positively impact Iowa athletics 
more in my current role I agree. than I could if I was the athletic director. Kind of an off-topic question, Tim says, Brad, have you talked to Cade now that he's back from California? Do you have any good stories? Uh, let's see. I think he uh, – good stories. Well, he said that, that Caleb Brown is the absolute real deal. Um, he said he's just fantastic. He's lightning. Uh, he's going to take the top off defenses this year. Uh, couldn't be happier with, with that acquisition, if you will, or that transfer. So that, that was, that was really positive. These guys had a good time. They're staying. Think about it. There's like 11 guys staying on the beach in California. You think this is like, I told Kate, I said, if you don't know right now that this is like the best time of your life, I'm just here to tell you right now, this is the best time of your life. Like 11 college dudes, dudes in a, in a Airbnb or whatever it was on the beach in California. Come on. That sounds so amazing. Um, but I know they worked hard and, and, um, you know, from the story standpoint, I think he got a lot of work done. Um, for those that don't know, he brought out his, his, uh, the swarm paid for it, uh, to, to bring his wide receivers and tight ends with him out to, out to California to work with, with Cade and his, his, uh, personal quarterback coach, which is Jordan Palmer, Carson Palmer's brother. And so they spent like four days or five days out there, um, and uh, got some extra work in, so so that was that was good. Don, your thoughts? So we got uh, Brad. Obviously, is very high on Caleb uh, Brown. We have not gotten an opportunity to talk about him on this show with you, at least. Um, at least I don't think we talked about him on this show with you. Just your thoughts on that? You've been preaching for months, and you're not the only guy. That uh, one of the big things this offense has lacked in recent time has been a guy who could take the top off the defense and they've had guys right. who had speed. I think of a guy like Amir Smith Marset. I think Amir had maybe below average hands was maybe his, his big uh, issue. Uh, Caleb Brown is somewhat un very unproven at this level, but very highly touted kid at a high school and was behind a, an elite crop of receivers at OSU. Just your thoughts on Iowa's ability. Thanks to Brad. And, and of course the entire coaching staff to land Caleb Brown. Well, you're not going to believe it. The day that Caleb Brown committed to Iowa, I got a phone call that day from one of my former players who had played for me at Western Illinois. And he said, I said, JR, I'm just curious, why did you pick today to call? And he said, Coach, you signed a receiver that I coached some years ago in flag football. JR is now coaching uh, at, I can't remember the name of the school now. Oh, I know what it was, College of the Page. Two-time national champ the last two years. That's where Jr. coaches now. Uh, he coached Caleb uh, as a flag football kid. I don't know how old he was at the time, but he said, "He said, believe me, coach, he's a really good kid, and he does have ability. And uh, he was behind a lot of great players at Ohio State. But I think you'll be pleased with what you get. So I'm excited about him coming in and." The bottom line, of course, if he's capable of taking the top off the defense, there's still another part of the equation. We have to call a play that gives him an opportunity to do that. And that's where we get back to the play caller. So let's hope that, that Brian gains a lot of confidence in Caleb, among others, and has confidence in in our quarterback, of course, to get the ball downfield. Um, you've always heard me say, you don't still second with your foot on first. got to take a lead. And uh, you got to take shots. You know, you play to win. You do not choose to play not to lose because that's a, 
a formula for mediocrity, I do believe. Brad, you give us give me a give me a reason why you and I because I know you do you you feel like this offense is going to take a big step forward. I don't know, we've never talked specifics. I mean, data aside, give us a reason from your perspective of why you think Brian is cut out for an improvement in those facets, play calling, philosophy, etc. Do you do you have reason to believe that's going to occur? Well, I mean. I- so, so I'll just give you an anecdote. So I, I, one time I, I got roped into being a, um, YMCA coach for bat my son's, for my son's basketball team. And, um, it was one of those weeks where I had to travel and I wasn't able to go to the draft. You can imagine how good of players I got left with, um, for that season. And I thought to myself, Coach K could take over coaching this team right now, and they're not winning a game. Um, I think last year we had offensive linemen that were a year early out on the field. They were they were there too soon. Um, I think that uh, – and that's where it starts. I feel like we had a quarterback. This is my own personal opinion, and I, I'm, I'm – I can't even believe I'm issuing my opinion when we've got a, a, a football coach on the thing. So you just all, go ahead and tell me I'm crazy. I do it all the time, Brad. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, we had, I think we had a quarterback that, that tended to perform differently um, in practice and in, in, and in games. Um, I, I think that we didn't have a dynamic wide receiver. I think we had a great tight ends and a, and a, and a budding young tight ends. Um, but when you can't block, and and you which which means that in a quarterback that sometimes panics you know that that makes it really tough no matter what play you call um and so and we had a freshman running back um who's who wasn't really adept last year at picking up blitzes and so why do i think we're better you know when i was talking to kirk the other day it was a couple weeks ago when he was talking about spring camp and he says you know you know had a great day watched caleb pick up some blitzes that was a big step in the right direction for him um, and the, the other Caleb, Caleb, Caleb Johnson. Um, he says, I think our offensive line is, in, he's got a chance. We've got, we've got 10 guys competing. We're going to be competing for spots. Whereas last, last year it was just who's, who's, who doesn't have a, you know, who's healthy enough to get out on the field. Um, that's who we're starting. Uh, and then now we've got a dynamic playmaker at, at receiver um, that we didn't have before. Um, you know, Kirk told me and Brian told me that that at receive or at tight end right now, I think we're better at this very moment than we were at this very moment last year. That was with Laporta. We had Laporta and Lachey. Now we've got Lachey and all, but Lachey was younger and greener last year, and he's he's improved quite a bit. And Eric All is is seasoned as well. We might be even better at tight ends to start the season this year than we were last year. And so for all of those reasons. You know, and I may change my mind if we're running it into the line every single, you know, something. But I, you know, we also have a quarterback that I think they have a lot of confidence in. The team all loves them. Um, You know, I'll tell you, I'll give you another anecdote. Just the other, just last week, I had, I had dinner in Fort Myers with uh, uh, Cooper DeGene and his dad. He was down working with the same, same trainer that uh, was training Riley Moss. And I guess all the white cornerbacks go to this guy. I, no, I don't. I don't know. I'm just making that up. 
Um, no, but uh, anyway, he was down in Fort Myers. I found out. I'm like, hey, let's go. Let's go grab pizza somewhere. And so we went out and had pizza. And I asked Cooper. I said, how, how, do you, how what, what do you think about the offense? How's the offense doing in your opinion? You were at practice every day. You're playing against them. He says, we're a lot better. He, he, see, he sees a big step step in the right direction. And that doesn't even include Cade because Cade wasn't playing live. Um, and I think Cooper reminded that, reminded Cade a lot of that, that they, that, you know, cause I think Cade likes to talk a little bit and, and Coop sends it back his way a little bit. So, but he, but he, he recognizes and, and, and is excited about our offense as well as a defensive player. So, you know, I, I, I have a lot of reason to be optimistic. And just let's, let's not forget, Don, you're a former, you're, you, you've coached tight ends before. Right. So, uh, I'm interested to get your perspective. Do you take exception at all? I know you are, and, and I am too. I am a huge Sam Laporta fan. Your thoughts on Brad's take, and I think it's a fair take. He answered my question brilliantly. Your thoughts on his opinion that as of right now, this tight end room is possibly better than it was a year ago. We have a chance to be better. I think it's really pointless to debate it now. We'll find out soon enough. But I think at the very least, we're going to be comparable to last year. At the very least. The only, yeah. the only hesitancy I have is Eric Alls coming off a back injury. Sam Laporta is one of the most decorated uh, tight ends from a stats perspective in Iowa history. So those are big, big shoes to fill for a guy who's coming off a, uh, an injury and hasn't played in a while. Uh, I watched him, man, uh, uh, at camp, I, spring ball. Holy cow. Didn't look to me like he hasn't been playing. I mean, he I'm is a there. beast. You, this guy is huge. He is huge. Don, you were there at spread at the well, you were there. Did you go I was to, on the sideline for the open? I was down on the field, yes. I was impressed with Eric. He's an impressive guy. I also understand that at the first um, the first practice that they had with Detroit, as I recall, is that where Sam is? Yes. That Sam was really the most impressive new new draft team. Yeah. Doesn't surprise well, me because we know Sam. And I, and, but by the way, I meant no disrespect to Sam Laporta. No, he's I know. terrific. Right. I mean, fantastic. Um, but I, but I also, what I guess I, I'm also speaking to is Luke Lachey ascended during the season last year in a tremendous way, and I think that he's a whole lot better this year than he was last year at this time, and um, and that's really kind of maybe the the the, the genesis of my of my opinion. And John says that Cade McNamara has said that it's the best tight end room he's ever played in. Well, keep in mind he's never played in an Iowa tight end room with an Iowa tight end room. So yeah. uh, he was not the quarterback here last year. So uh, all right, let's get to uh, James, who's been on hold forever. James, welcome to the show. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. It's good to finally talk to you. It's been a while, but it has. You know, you know, I've always been here. But first off. Obviously, with the whole Barty situation, you know, I mean, I appreciate everything you did for us, you know, but it's like time has passed and, you know, there's a lot of allegations and all that stuff that happened that it's kind of like, it's kind of just like good to get a fresh start, if you know what I mean, where it's like, it's like it's kind of time for a fresh start just because there's a lot of stuff that went on and I don't ever want any of that on Iowa's name, you know, in a way, like, because I feel like it makes the university look bad and that's something you never want either, so. Yeah, I mean, when you have... uh national stories whether it be the the 2020 issue or the like i said earlier the rabdo issue or this most recent lawsuit whether you think that was fair or not those are reflections on the entire department entire program yeah and that's that's something you want to look at too i mean even the gambling situation you think that has something to do with it too or not no 
I don't think it has anything. Okay. To do with I didn't, I didn't know. That's one we didn't talk. We didn't talk about the betting scandal. I don't think that. I think maybe that's being a little bit overhyped based on maybe the circumstances. But do you have any opinion on that? I think when we were, you had, you were on the show last, Brad. That had not. That news had not yet come down. So, do you have any thoughts on the gambling situation? No, it's 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 it's, it's pretty tight lipped too. Um, I, I know there's going to be a, a handful of football players impacted by it. I, I, I don't know. My, my, my opinion is that the NCAA rules are ridiculous um, surrounding it. I, I, if someone wants to bet on how many points LeBron James scores in the second half, let them spend their money on it. I, I mean, I don't think that that should, that should make it so that a kid can't play a football game next Saturday. Um, if he's betting on his own team against his own team or, you know, or other college athletics, and I, I can understand how that you, you draw the line there. But if, it, if someone wants to bet on professionals, and there's no, in my opinion, if you want to bet on professional sports and you're a college athlete, who cares? But that's my own opinion. Um, and and I haven't heard any specifics. The only specifics I've heard are there's going to be, you know, there's, there's well, the same stuff that you heard probably read, but um, I know that football does have a little bit of a. There's some. There's going to be a, a couple of a handful of people maybe that that have an issue there. But uh, but none of it is criminal. I know that, and it's all just NCAA kinds of stuff. And so, you know, they'll they'll sort that out sometime between now and the in the in the season. But I haven't heard names. I don't know who it is. I don't. You know, so, Don, you you haven't commented. We haven't got. It. Your- I did make one comment related to the whole gambling thing. I said, well, there's a problem we never had in the past because back in the old days, our players had no disposable income. <laughs> no money to gamble yeah. with. Yeah, That's part of I it. understand. Also pretty easy when you have all these mobile apps. Uh, you can- Yeah, it makes it really simple to, to make a quick – I mean, and, and you know, it's, all, it's kind of become mainstream, right? I mean, if you live in Iowa, you could – you could bet on games, right? Or just what do they have? FanDuel or one of those app DraftKings or whatever those those are. Or, or can you can you bet at one of the like the Riverside Casino? Can you go and don't, I bet don't on do sports it, there? But I don't do it, but I had some. I had a roommate who used to do it. And you can go to like we went to our local casino, and you could do it there too, yeah. like the games and stuff. So like it's very accessible. And in the state of Iowa, it's legal. So that's another thing where it's kind of like, why are they being punished as much when in the state it's legal? I mean, yeah, I get it yeah. like, again on their team. I understand if it's like University of Iowa. I understand that part. That's not what I'm trying to say. But like, if it's like LeBron or something, like it's legal in the state of Iowa, it shouldn't really make a difference. I feel like, but well, again, I don't think any of this. I think Tom Caker. We had Tom on as a guest uh, recently with our sh- show with Mark, and Tom made it very clear his stance on this. I, I think him and I both agreed this never would have even happened had it not been for the Alabama baseball situation. And there's a reason why Iowa and Iowa State both announced infractions at the exact same time, because this was not just an Iowa Hawkeye problem. Um, and it's probably an, an issue that wouldn't have come up for a long period of time had this situation in Alabama not occurred. And this is probably for the better. I mean, get it get it stopped if, if there are issues. I know, Brad, you're talking about maybe some issues and policies that are in place with the NCAA and whatnot. But uh you know, I, I think the, the big thing for me is I'm looking at availability, you know, uh, availability. Is this going to hurt? You know, in the past, there have been certain precedents as it relates to gambling infractions, but this is a different era of the betting world. And so will the NCAA handle this? this I don't trust the NCAA to handle basically anything uh, well anymore. So I don't know. I'll, I'll be intrigued. Brad, do you... Do you have any thoughts? You you anticipate players missing 
time? I mean, players who are program. I think I think if you ask Kirk Ferentz straight up, and, and it's off the record, I don't think he would know the answer to that question. Yeah. Like I, I don't think I don't think anybody knows yet. Um, I, I think the the focus right now is figuring out the baseball situation. Um, football isn't in season yet, so they kind of you know. They can wait a little bit to to sort that one out, but uh, you know I don't think anybody knows what the impact is going to be. Um, I, I don't get the impression that this is going to be you know this isn't half the roster or anything like that. I think it's it's not it's definitely not ideal, but I, I don't foresee it uh, changing the wins or the losses. Um, I think I think we're going to be fine. Anything else, James? I mean, that's a good sign. And then one a couple more more things like obviously. I feel like this year, and I was talking to people like this year's gonna be a little weird for us Iowa fans. In fact, like we're not used to so much roster turnover. Like usually, you can throw the ball, or next year you know who's coming in. I mean, obviously, you know who's coming in now, but like at that point, it's like you don't like you know Eric Austin get the ball. And you're not used to even seeing Eric on the field. So for the first like week or two, it's gonna be a little bit of an adjustment. You're like, wait, he's on the team again? Like where did he yeah. come from? kind of thing. But it's fun, and I appreciate everything you do for the University of Iowa and trying to get kids to come to the school because. As somebody from here, you know, it's always you just want to see people succeed, especially at Iowa, and prove that Iowa can be something. Because I think a lot of people outside of the room, you know, like us Iowa fans, don't see Iowa as something. So, you know, they see Iowa as Iowa. So, if we can be successful in something, it's good. And I'm interested to see, like, if it's Beth or not. Just like the thing, because, you know, they don't have a connection to Kirk or Fran. You know, the new AD is not going to have a connection to them. So, like, what does it mean for, like, if they struggle a little bit more? It's going to be asked. Obviously, Kirk's leash is going to be big, you know, but like I'm saying, like, is Franz leash going to be as much as we think Franz leash is with a new AD? You know what I mean? Saying, well, I mean, yeah. you mean what do you mean by leash, James? Like, but, like I'm saying, okay, I'm saying, like, he's had so many years of like one, not, I mean, not one and out, but like he maybe to some people hasn't lived up to expectation. So, like, what's the expectation of the next one going to be? Because obviously, we know what Gary Barr's expectation was. Was, well, I mean, being. Five, seven wins is enough for football. That's his expectation. So, like, what's the next AD's expectation going to be? Is the next AD's expectation going to be more? Which I hope it is, obviously. But that's a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, with, with you know, as it pertains to Fran, I mean, you, you know, I think the people that that give him a hard time they point to the NCAA tournament, right? Um, you know, but that's that's a little bit of a crapshoot. I think we would all admit that that you know matchups and whatnot will, will impact. Uh, so, you know how you do to some level, but if you look at the regular season, Fran Fran's record in the regular season, especially in the Big Ten, has been pretty darn strong. Like relative to any of Iowa coach we've had, um, I mean, I I came in in the Davis era, and I would bet without looking, Fran's record in the conference has probably been better than Davis, better than Licklider, better than Alford. Am I wrong? Tell me if I'm wrong. I I, no, I don't have the numbers not. in front of me. You're not. He does need to make it to the second weekend. I mean, I no, I, I agree. I, I I want that for sure. But it's a bit of a crapshoot. But it, to me, the, the clock has ticked long. He needs to get to the second weekend. I'm not saying he's on the hot seat. He's not. Nor should he be, in my opinion. But I also understand James, your perspective of expectations. Uh, but it is a hard thing, a one and done format. I, I I would guess if the I would almost guarantee that if the NCAA tournament was a best of three game series format or best of five game series format like the NBA. Or I guess guess to seven, um, we would see at least one or two Sweet Sixteens by now. But that's not how the that's not how the NCAA tournament is set up, and 
he needs to get to the second weekend. Uh, I don't. I think he would agree with that. If if you put a gun to his head, I'm sure he would say, "Yeah, I I, I want to get to the second weekend as much as anybody." But but you know, this caller brings up a really good point though, and that is, all of our coaches are now suddenly getting a new boss, um, yeah. and and exactly. and that is. Whether you're whether you're whether you're a coach or whether you're just a, an employee at any old any old company, when you suddenly get a new boss, there's going to be some, okay, there's got to be some little of ang- level of anxiety to say, okay, what's going to be expected of me by my new boss? This boss did not hire me. This boss didn't have, you know, didn't didn't train me. I don't have the the skins on the wall, nor do I have the 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 marks on my back. Um, you know that 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 may have be be to my detriment. It's a new, it's a clean slate. But you know, you're right. What what are the new expectations for each coach and whoever the new AD is is going to have to lay that down. I've always said it this way: ADs are defined by coaches that they hire, and that means the AD didn't hire you, then he's more likely to fire you. That's the truth. For sure, it's going to be interesting and. Uh... Hope you guys, you know, are good until the season starts and hopefully we can have a good year and hopefully baseball can finish off well because it's always good to see them doing what Rick Heller has done. It's also been amazing. And I think that's something that obviously Barta hired. I'm pretty sure Bart hired him, right? Heller? Yep. Yep. So like that's something he's done well, you know, and there's some stuff that will always live on. And whenever you look at the water tower in Iowa City, you can always remember it kind of like the impact he made at least a little bit on the school that was positive as well. So and thank yeah. you for all and uh, enjoy your night. And I hope you all are good for the rest of the summer and get ready for football season here soon. Thank you, James. Always appreciate the call, sir. All right, Brad, I'm going to let you get some family time in. We, we appreciate you being here for the last uh, hour or so. And uh, always a pleasure. We'll, we'll of course have you back here. And, uh, you know, again, I wish Gary all the best as I know you do, but yes. I also hope that this is a, this, we look back and say this was a positive movement forward, not only for the department as a whole and football specifically, but, for the relationship with your organization, your nonprofit, because I think it's essential. I think we can all agree it's essential, the future of Iowa athletics. And I, I, I hope that today's a step in the right direction as it relates to communication and relationships. I hope for the very same thing. And I, and I do wish Gary a, a, a great lengthy retirement. And, and uh, you know, again, he's a hawk. He's was here for 17 years. Uh, he put the blood, sweat and tears in uh, like coach said, you know, if you're going to judge an AD by who he hires, you know, he, he didn't do a bad job. I mean, that's, that's, there's, there's, yeah, he can, you can write down who, who he hired and he had some, he had some pretty good, uh, pretty good coaching hires. And so there you have it. Um, and by the way, Brian just joined the swarm. So, Hey, this was definitely, this made my night just uh, seeing that. So uh, we need all the members we can get. Absolutely. Brad Heinrich, Thanks you guys. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk to you again, Brad. Thank you. Great. And it was great to meet you, Coach. Nice to meet you, too. Th- th- thank you. Thanks, Brad. All right, folks. Uh, we're going to take a quick uh, moment to uh, thank a sponsor here from the Hawkeye of the Storm. We appreciate Brad Heinrichs being on here for the last hour and giving his time and perspective. And, Don, I don't think that's you've ever met Brad before, so it was good to get you both on here, and you come from very different – you have very different perspectives, but uh, – I think we all agree that athletics has changed enough to where if you're slow to adjust and change, um, you're going to be left behind. And that's that's the transfer portal, that's NIL, that's all these things. Right. And um, that's, I think, the, the, the big 
part of the, the biggest part of this news today is I think it's a, a possibility to maybe evolve quicker than Iowa had been uh, related to specifically to NIL and the collective. Um, all right, we're going to take a quick break. As I said, I want to give a quick shout out to Ascent Nutrition. Let me share my screen for everybody. Uh, if you haven't heard about our partnership with Ascent, they've been with us for many, many months now. And uh, as I throw a screenshot of their uh, website up here, goascentnutrition.com, folks. If you haven't visited this awesome website, be sure to do that and start your Ascent today. As you can see, they've got a number of great products that will keep you healthy, keep you focused, and energized throughout the day. This episode is sponsored by Ascent Nutrition's uh, mushroom products, including their agaricon mushroom. And uh, this mushroom powder specifically has a very interesting backstory, which is the uh, mushroom was actually researched by the Department of Defense's Biodefense Bioshield program in, in conjunction, excuse me, with the NIH and NIAID. Now, the military and government's research into agaricon showed how its rare compounds exerted strong biological activity. And through traditional use, as well as the science of today, agaricon is used to support respiratory and lung health, immune system health, neurological health, and it promotes a healthy inflammatory response. You can read more about this awesome product by visiting goascentnutrition.com, scrolling down, clicking on the agaricon mushroom, and then click on the learn more tab here, and you can read all about this awesome product. They've also got their lion's mane mushroom, which I'm a big fan of. Again, read about all the benefits of these awesome products and support our sponsor, Ascent Nutrition, by visiting goascentnutrition.com. Again, this is the homepage right here, goascentnutrition.com. And if you use the code Hawkeyes, again, that's the code Hawkeyes, you will get 15% off your order courtesy of Ascent Nutrition. So again, we appreciate Lance Shuttler, Iowa graduate Lance Shuttler, partnering with us here from the Hawkeye of the Storm. All right, Don, uh, we've uh, we've got some time now. I, I've, I've got a couple of super chats that I want to get to. And uh, Brian, I appreciate the super chat here. He says, I'm just joining, so I probably missed it. How did the Caden receivers trip go? Uh, appreciate that, Brian. Definitely go back. Rewind this show when we're done. And uh, that question was asked of, of Brad here recently. So that was a swarm-funded trip. And uh, Don, I'm sure you'd attest to the fact that it's always good when you see your quarterback uh, developing chemistry in the offseason with your with your wide receivers. All times, and it all starts with just repetitions, you know, throwing all kinds of routes. You know, you get to know the receivers. They all run the routes a little bit differently. And, of course, your job as a quarterback is to simply put the ball on target and be able to adjust from one receiver to the next. And uh, Jason says, Cade versus JJ in the Big Ten Championship. It will be epic. Um, is that a prediction of yours early, Don? You, you see Iowa as the early favorite in the West? Well, I don't know enough about the other teams right now to comment, but it's certainly a possibility. I was going to say one reason I'm, reason to be optimistic is we do not play Michigan. We do not play Ohio State until Indianapolis. And that's assuming we can get there and they can get there too. Um, I, I'm sure that you've discussed already that the Penn State game will be a whiteout a whiteout game. It's a game they emphasize. It's a night game. That'll be a tough environment, but historically, we played pretty well in State College, and I don't expect this year to be any different. It'll be a difficult game to win, obviously, but as we discussed before, Corey, it's entirely possible we'll be favored in 11 out of 12 games in the regular season. That's possible. Now, obviously, for that to happen, we're going to have to be winning games along the way and staying healthy, too. Otherwise, of course, we won't continue to be favored. 
but it's entirely possible that we'll only be an underdog in one of those 12 games. Don, I, I have to ask you this uh, as it relates to uh, the over-under that Vegas released. I think it was seven and a half. What are your thoughts on that? I, I just I talked with Mark Rogers about this when that number officially dropped. I, I don't know what Vegas knows that we don't, but uh, that just seems incredibly low for a team that returns as much as it does, and you know, won eight game, well, well, won seven regular season games last year with maybe the worst offense in the country. Yeah, it wouldn't be hard for me to bet the over. You know, it's kind of hard for me to imagine we won't win eight games at least. Uh, no guarantees, of course. There are any number of teams that are capable of beating us. But the good news is we're capable of beating everybody on the schedule, too. So a lot of close games, as you've always heard me say, Corey, good teams win close games. Uh, so how do you become a good team? Well, for starters, you better have a good defense because the defense will keep you in the game. And uh, certainly our defense has that potential to be able to protect any lead that we have next fall. Uh, Lemansky says, uh, Don forgot to mention we lost Bernie Wyatt last month. Five trips to the Rose Bowl as a player and a coach, a legend, healthy rant. Welcome on Coach Bernie, Don. Um, you have a lot of respect for Bernie Wyatt because you and I have talked about Bernie and uh, we would be remiss if we didn't mention the, the passing of a great. Just your thoughts on, on Bernie Wyatt's legacy. Well, as you know, Corey, I was the smallest population state in the Big Ten. Uh, used to be. Now, maybe Nebraska has less population than we do. I don't know about Nebraska. But in the old days, we were clearly the smallest population state. And uh, Coach Fry was correct. For us to win, we have to we have to somehow develop a larger recruiting footprint than what Coach Cummings had. He got some players from Ohio, but they were all guys that Ohio State didn't want, of course. Uh, so the, the solution for us was to continue to recruit the East Coast well, because Bernie had done that for Iowa, even in the Bob Cummings years. And then, of course, Hayden's a, a living legend in Texas, so it would be logical, uh, based on my background in Texas and the background that Carl Jackson had in Texas, not to mention Bill Brazier. But Carl and I were the two guys that recruited Texas. I remember vividly that first year we got some of the very best players from Texas to visit. Here's the bad news. We didn't sign a single player. And it was kind of obvious why. We did our job well in recruiting them, but it was just a, too much of a leap of faith to expect us to win as big as we did in the early stages of the, those years. And um, after that, Coach Fry said, we got to give up on Texas for a while. We're not going to go back until we can show them that we can win. So as you recall, after that 81 season, or even during that 81 season, I said, Coach Fry, let me go back to Texas because I think we've changed things enough already. And he said, I agree with you. You're more than happy to recruit Texas. I want you to recruit North Texas. Carl went to, to the Houston area, basically. I went to the Dallas area. And he said, promise me one thing, though. The first player you recruit from Texas has got to be special. And I took that to heart because the first guy we signed was one of the fastest football players Iowa has ever had. His name was Robert Smith. And to those people that would say, well, Robert didn't really have that great a career. I do recall he caught 16 touchdown passes in his career. That probably ranks fairly high. And the other thing he did was he took the top off defenses all the time. And one reason Marv Cook became an All-American, uh, and that wouldn't be true. That's Marv came later. One reason we had such productivity with John Hayes and with uh, Mike Flagg, to name a couple, is that we had Robert Smith as a pushman. 
Robert also returned kicks and punts for touchdowns. So he was an excellent player and a great young man. And, um, and today I'm happy to say, and I'm proud to say that Robert is a back judge in the NFL. I'm sorry, in the Big Ten. I said NFL, that's not true. There is a back judge in the NFL. His name is Scott Helverson. Uh, but Robert is a back judge in the Big Ten and does a great job. And he met his wife on our campus, and they're happily married today in Waterloo, Iowa. So right. after that, after that, we were able to recruit more and more good players from the state of Texas. And, of course, those guys had a lot to do with us winning. And uh, that's what gave us a chance to, to catch up so quickly is we got outstanding players from Texas and the East Coast. We did a good job of winning the state of Iowa and surrounding states. We got a lot of good players from surrounding states, too. And that gave you a chance to, uh, to put more talent together than what you would expect from a state that was so limited in population. Uh, let's see. Hunter Biden says Purdue might drop off, but they have one of the best running backs and quarterbacks in the league. Um, who, would that, who would that quarterback be? He was well, he's, talking about, he's talking about Hudson Card, who's not – I, I'm not going to say – He might be top six or seven in the league, but, boy, he's got a lot to prove before I'm going to say he's one of the best. Well, I, I know one thing. They're not going to be as good with play caller because the, their best play caller is now the head coach at Louisville. Right. A um, couple comments here in the chat. We have Tony on hold. Off topic uh, from Jesse says, what are your thoughts on Connor McCaffrey landing a job with the Pacers? Happy for him. I think he's going to be a great coach someday. Sounds like, uh, per the reports, I think it was Des Moines Register that had it first. Um, sounds like Connor has put himself out there to do, you know, whatever he needs to do to be able to be a part of that organization. And that's fantastic. Um, does his last name help his cause? Sure. But, um, you know, I think it's good that he's not getting his start at Iowa and that he's earning his way through the coaching ranks. And I, I, I agree with you. I think he'll be a great coach as well, Jesse. Uh, so I'm happy for, uh, for him. And Steve wants to know, is Petrus a coach or a player? Well, he's on scholarship, Don, your thoughts of, about uh, Spencer Petrus working as a scholarship player, working with the offensive line. Well, I just don't know. That's not his expertise. Um, I'll put it this way. You know, I never played offensive line. You've heard me say it this way, Corey. Uh, the positions that a guy might coach in almost every case are the same positions they played. And the reasons are kind of obvious. You're, you're learning even while you're playing. And you're able to impart a lot of wisdom to those players because you actually were in that same spot at that same position in your own career. So I, I appreciate that, that Spencer wants to learn more about offensive line play, but he clearly doesn't have much expertise with how to, how to carry that out, carry those assignments out. So if that is, in fact, what he's doing, he's maybe doing it just to to um, improve his knowledge of overall play. Uh, I kind of hurt me to believe he, has, he aspires to become an offensive line coach. Most guys that aspire to do that are the same ones that were numbered 50 through 79 on their jerseys. Those are guys that, um, that really like the idea of becoming an offensive line coach. There are a few exceptions. Kirk Ferris is a great exception. Kirk was a, a linebacker in college. And yet his high school, you probably know the story, Corey, his high school coach happened to be a great college offensive line coach. And that's why Kirk ended up coaching offensive line at Pitt. 
and learning from Joe Moore. And of course, that set Kirk up to be in, uh, to be among the best O line coaches ever. Um, Swartz, sorry we get to this question earlier, uh, but he wants to know about Brad's top three of names he'd like to see get a shot at AD. I'll ask Don the question since Brad is no longer with us. Don, obviously, Beth Getz is probably in line to get the job. I think anybody with a pulse could have seen that move coming. I talked about that with Mark Rogers. But if we're going to play, uh, if we're going to play the speculation game. Uh, I, I named a couple of candidates earlier to you that I think would be people you should look at, and one would be Dan McCartney, and another would be Bob Stoops. And I don't know if either one of those guys would want an AD job. Uh, maybe you'd tell me that both of those guys are not qualified to be an AD, but we've seen a lot of former head coaches succeed as ADs over the years. doesn't always work, but uh, do you have a list? Do you agree with, with those two uh, possibilities? Well, Corey, you've always heard me say, maintain and argue that I think former coaches make great ADs because former coaches have no choice in their decisions. That's what coaches do. Uh, ADs are sometimes reluctant to make those same kind of hard decisions. The best ADs are guys that are decisive and um, and not afraid to take responsibility for their decision-making. Prime example would be Barry Alvarez. Is there any doubt that Barry Alvarez was a great, a great football coach, but also a wonderful AD? He did a great job at Wisconsin, and he wasn't afraid to make those hard decisions. Uh, Dan McCartney can make those hard decisions. I realize he hasn't been um, an administrator, but uh, let's face it—you know, it, it's a it's a people business, and Dan McCartney's a people person, and not to mention he's a favorite son. So I don't know that Dan would have any interest, but he and Bobby would both be ideal candidates. I guess Bobby would present as a better candidate simply because he's not as old as Dan. I don't know if uh, anybody that's in their 70s, they would want to take seriously from an AD standpoint, but Bobby's only in his 60s, I guess, at this point, and that would give him a chance to be a viable candidate. Um, again, is it hard to imagine that Bobby Stoops might not be a, a, a really a really effective communicator with our fans and not to mention the student athletes because he's he's worn those shoes too those two guys come to mind beyond that i'll throw out a couple of other names beth is an obvious name i thought and looking a little bit at what we had done here at iowa in recent years i give gary barter a lot of credit uh, gary hired beth who had been the ad at ball state and was more than capable of deputy ad or the chief operating officer if you will for uh, Iowa Athletics because she's been an AD and she's certainly qualified to assist an AD in the Big Ten. There was another hire a few years ago that, that Gary made that was an outstanding hire. I know this for a fact, uh, and that's simply because um, I knew him from a meeting standpoint when he was the AD at North Dakota State. And you probably know who I'm talking about, Gene Taylor. I went back and checked. He was at, at Iowa for three years. He came here as the deputy athletic director or chief operating officer, whatever terms you want to use. But he was a successful AD at North Dakota State. And I'm sure he was thinking, it's a little bit of a leap for me to go from AD at North Dakota State to AD in the Big Ten. But certainly I can go to a Big Ten school as the deputy and then get an FBS job. And that's exactly what happened. After three years here, he was off to K-State. He's certainly done a great job at K-State. K-State football 
let basketball come to mind. It's two sports that are outstanding. I know that. Uh, and I do know Gene Taylor personally because I sat in the same meetings with he and his football coach as I did with with uh, the AD, of course, at Western Illinois. You have any number of meetings uh, with coaches and ADs together. And I left being very impressed with Gene Taylor. Uh, Gene, I did check. He's 65 years old. You might think on the surface, Corey, that that would be defined as too old. But the way I looked at it, if you could hire a guy at 65 with a lot of experience, and certainly a guy that's bold enough to make all those hard decisions we talk about, would it bother me if he was here for five years and then retired? It wouldn't bother me at all. I think that'd be better than hiring a younger AD that's not as capable of leading as somebody like Gene Taylor. I'll say it that way. Uh, let's see here. Um, Lomansky says, does Corey championing accountability remind you of Hayden? Uh, I don't think anything I do reminds Don of Hayden. <laughs> um, but uh, maybe I could get some sunglasses and, and, and uh, reel in some Hayden esque suave Don. Um, two calls. <laughs> says, uh, how about that old line? Uh, Rusty Feth will be getting here this summer. Dejon Parker, excuse me, Dejon Jordan has been hurt. Uh, for quite some time, but uh, they bring in some new pieces, Don. And as Brad brought out earlier, lots of developing pieces. They need to take a huge step forward for this offense to be successful. Anything you saw during spring practice, or at least with what they did personnel wise during the off season that gives you reason for optimism? Well, I'm optimistic simply because I do think a year ago, if we put our offensive line coach on a line detector machine and said, how many of these guys uh, have a realistic chance of being in our starting lineup, that number would have been a smaller number than what it will be next year. I think we do have a chance to have as many as maybe 10 linemen that are going to sort themselves out. <coughs> I'm sorry, Craig, I got summer cold, I think. And, um, and I'll remind you of something Kirk said years ago. He said, nobody really has 10 linemen that can play winning football. If you're lucky, you have eight. And you can get by with eight. You got a backup center. You've got three guards and three tackles. And that means one of those guards and one of those tackles has to be able to play both out of a left handed and a right handed stance. And that's a realistic uh, goal to get that done. They have eight guys you can really believe in to play winning ball. All right. Uh, let's see here. Comment from. Uh... Cause how about this? Uh, how about Merton Hanks? I love it. I think you know why. Merton's one of my favorite recruits. I love to tell the story. I was over at Louisville High School, which is a North Dallas suburban, <coughs> and the running back was outstanding. But every time he broke into the open field, he was tackled by that same defensive back from Lake Hollins High School. So I asked the Louisville coach, I said, "What's with uh, the DB from?" Lake Hollins, and he said, he's a really good player, Coach. If you haven't checked into him, you should. So, of course, I went to Lake Hollins. I was impressed because Merton Hanks was an outstanding hurdler, and there is no way, no easy way to run the high hurdles unless you're an athlete. Exceptional athlete if you're a really good hurdler, and, and Merton was. I know that's not very good for your podcast, Corey, but I'm just trying to survive here. <laughs> We're wrapping this up, Don. So, uh, we're, but but Merton Hanks has been working at the administrative level with a couple different conferences. He's worked uh, in, in the NFL. He would right. be well qualified 
I would think. Yes, it would. It would probably. I don't know if we could afford Merton because he's probably making top dollar where he is. But if he wanted to to be considered for the job, we'd be crazy not to seriously consider him. Outstanding person, outstanding communicator, wonderful human being. And Brian wants you to tell Kirk to just one time do the stand-up tight ends again. <laughs> I'd be okay with that. At least in third and long, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, especially when you have uh, guys like Eric All. <laughs> right, Don? Is that fair? Yes. Uh, CJ says, I'm really struggling to find a weak spot on our team personnel-wise, but I guarantee you Don's going to be able to tell you uh, a position or two that he's a bit concerned about. Where do I start? Yeah, there's more than a few holes. First off, how can you be – I am I am cautiously optimistic about wide receivers. Uh, let's face it. We've got a bunch of guys that haven't proven much of anything. Yeah. Exactly. So there's a lot of work that has to be done between now and September. How about linebacker? You lose Seth Benson, <laughs> Jacobs, and Jack Campbell. There, there's got to be some concern there, even though you're bringing in Nick Jackson from Virginia. You're, you've got a, a developing Jay Higgins, but there's got to be some concern about linebacker naturally. And offensive line, for that matter. <laughs> we have not seen the offensive line, this personnel group, prove itself. and That, that may happen, but it may not. Yeah, you're right. We still haven't proven that we can dominate the line of scrimmage. Right. Um, all right, let's uh, let's go over to um, Tony, who's been on hold. Tony, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing, Court? You like how I What's bring up, you Tony? all of a sudden, Tony? I just throw you into the show. You're just it's all. Uh, it, it says it says even when you're on streamlined, like you're backstage. Be ready, you know. Like so, you got to be ready. You got to be ready at any moment. So, um, who I, I you know when I was on hold, I was listening. Um, did you have anybody else you were thinking of um, for AD candidates? I, I listened to most of the thing with Mark Rogers, and I didn't listen to the end. I heard you mention Bob Stoops, and then um, I mean, I think Beth I is the likely candidate, but but Beth. Yeah. But as far as former coaches, boy, I'd look at Bob Stoops and I'd look at Dan McCarney. Uh, maybe those ideas aren't real original, but you know, people with strong connections to Iowa. If you're going to land a bit, Iowa's not going to land a big name like Nick Saban's not going to retire and become the AD at Iowa. But mm -hmm. Bob Stoops is—he's coaching XFL, so maybe that'd be something that he'd be interested in. I don't—I don't know. But uh, Don, do you do you have anybody else that comes to mind? Not off the top of my head, I really haven't given it a lot of thought. But certainly, Bobby. What is there left for Bobby to do as a coach? Who's really accomplished great things? wherever he's been, and it would be logical in my mind that he might think, you know what, I think I will consider being the next AD at Iowa because that's my old school, and it'll be a chance for me to prove myself in some ways other than football coaching. How, how much uh, how much time have you had to look into um, Beth? Um, is it Getz, or how do we pronounce her last Yeah, I think it's Getz. I, I have not, really don't know. I remember when they hired her and, and thinking, okay, she's stepping over from – from a pretty prestigious position at Ball State, this looks like the reasonable replacement or heir apparent. But uh, I didn't expect the the bar to move to, to come this early. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this news broken. I've been out of the house all day with other stuff, and so I haven't really been able to digest this as much as maybe you have, Tony. But uh, I, I expect Beth to be the next AD based on common sense. But uh, my guess is, my hope is that she's very well qualified. Based on her resume, I'd say she probably is. And it, it, from what I've read, she's 
interviewed for both the Wisconsin and Penn State position, and I believe she was a finalist for the Wisconsin position, AD, right, for their AD, for either one of the, when the, when they came open, I think it was this past summer or something like that, that, so I mean, I don't know, the things that I've read and looked into her, it seems like she's very open NIL, how, I miss Brad, did he say anything about that? He really doesn't have a relationship with Beth yet. So okay. That, um, that he will. I forget who it was. I think it was Dockerman or something like that pulled up an article that she did. She had NIL set up at Ball State yeah. before COVID and everything hit. I'm really so so, yeah, so it sounds like she's very ahead of the game, hopefully, with that. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> we did. Yeah. I'm just saying, let's go. Yeah. I do know Somebody. that Talk to a number of people that do know Beth that have been very impressed with her. She's only been here since September, but she's certainly made a positive impression to she those that have met her. Yeah, Tony, she may just be a Beth of fresh air. No pun intended. Yes. <laughs> hey, um, she she was a coach though. She did she did have a coaching. Uh, she played college soccer at both Brevard and Clemson, so she was a high level D one athlete, and she coached in University of Missouri St. Louis soccer for six years. She was their head coach. And then she just kept moving up the, oh, what would you want to, what, what do you want to call that? The administrative side instead of the coaching side. She switched from coaching to administrative and just kept moving up the uh, ladder to probably be an athletic director. Now, what is the athletic director's um What's the relationship like? Like when you were the head coach at Western, what was your relationship like even at a lower level? I mean, there's still a – they were at D1A, right? Western, double A? Back then they called it one double A. One double A. Yeah. And, and um, what was your relationship like with the athletic director at a school like that? Well, I, I was uh, hired by an AD that was um, – in her later years, she retired while I was there. The new AD came in, and I think he and I always made an effort to get along. Uh, but it's safe to say, I think there was some resentment. The AD was not very popular, and, and I'm grateful to say that the fans seemed to like me a lot. I'll say it that way. More than they liked the AD, I'll say that. <laughs> the AD was not very popular, so... Uh, it's not hard for me to understand that if he has a chance to remove me from the job at some point, maybe he'll do it. And and I don't know if you know the story, but I had a health issue uh, back in 2008. And and um, I was uh, asked to step down and I said, I'm not going to do it. And um, the reasoning was I can't afford to lose another coach. We'd lost our baseball coach to leukemia, as I recall. And that was his reasoning is, I can't afford to lose another coach and you may die sometime soon. And that didn't sit well with me. So in the end, you can't you can't be forced to leave your job just because of a health issue. Mm -hmm. And um, in that regard, uh, if it would have gone to court, I would have won without doubt. And it never went to court because they were happy to settle outside of court. And I was ready to move on and coach somewhere else. And I coached five more years after that happened since in Illinois. But I think it all started. If the AD had hired me, he would have been more inclined to keep me around as long as he was going to be there. 
um, he wasn't a very popular AD, and I think it bothered him that I had a lot of popularity with the fans. Did you uh, see, I saw Western Illinois was in the news lately. They are uh, switching athletic conferences right. to the uh, Ohio Valley, I believe. I'm just I'm disappointed in so many ways. Um, anybody will tell you when I was there, that was a very difficult job back then, too. We got it done anyway. I mean, the Iowa job, I was no job, but that didn't scare Hayden Fry away or any of us. Well, the Western Illinois job was hard. I knew it was going to be hard. But we won big there, too. Matter of fact, we won the Cubs in our second year there and won it again in our fourth year there and went to the playoffs our fifth year there. And Western hadn't been to the playoffs. I'm sorry, hasn't won a championship uh, since the one we won back in 2002. So it's a hard job. Uh, that's the best uh, FCS conference in the country, hands down. You know, you got North Dakota State, South Dakota State, Northern Iowa's good all the time. Southern Illinois is good. Youngstown's good. There's a lot of good teams out there. Uh, Illinois State's really good. They've all had times when they made it deep into the playoffs. Um, and um, Western's solution is to is to go play in the Ohio Valley Conference, which is without question an inferior conference. They're going to have a better chance of winning, uh, and they may have a better chance to qualify for the playoffs there, but they're, they're going to get their heads beaten in when they play teams from the Missouri Valley. I, I remember vividly in 2002 – uh, we were a qualifier for the playoffs. There weren't as many teams back then, uh, and so was Western Illinois, Western Kentucky. And on the same weekend, we played first-round opponents that year, both from the Ohio Valley. We happened to play um, East, uh, Southern – wait a minute – Eastern Illinois. How could I forget? Eastern Illinois. We beat them 47-9 to that day. Does anybody want to guess who their quarterback was? That was, that, was that Romo? That was Tony Romo. Yeah, his last college game, he got his head handed to him 47-9 by the Western Illinois Leathernecks. On that same date, Western Kentucky beat – who are the ones with the horse? They have the horse as a mascot. Who is that? In which – in the Ohio Valley? Nebraska. Remember. Yeah, the Mavericks? Aren't they the Ma – Yeah. No, they're they're the summit. The Nebraska Omaha is the summit. The valley would be more like those. Somebody uh, put it up. It's, um, a school name. Northern Kentucky or, or Northern Kentucky or. No, it's. A, I mean, it's a school you'll be very familiar with. I just can't remember. Anyway, on that same first round day, Western Kentucky beat them fifty nine to twenty. Another thirty nine point margin. The sad aspect of it all, because it was geographic competition. The second round game was Western Kentucky versus Western Illinois. Western Kentucky beat us 31 to 28. The last play of the game was a 61 yard field goal attempt that missed by about a yard. And 13 days later, Western Kentucky won the national title. I think it's safe to say if we would have been on the outside of the brackets, I think two Missouri Valley Conference teams would have played for the national title that day. Uh, Western Kentucky had the most trouble with Western Illinois. So that's how strong that conference was and still is. Uh, Outstanding football. Tony, I got to let you slide because we're running out nope, of time. Nope, that's fine. Thanks for your time. I appreciate the stories listening to him say that, though, because I'm from by Burlington, Iowa. So that's the close college. Western Illinois is the close. I think it's even closer than the University of Iowa. So that brings back memories. So thanks, Coach. Appreciate you guys' time. You bet. Thank you, Tony. You bet.
And Brandon, real quickly, this got to be quick, Don, but Brandon wants to know, you have any good recruiting stories that you can tell about the Fry era? You've told a few. Oh, gosh, I don't know where to go from there. I, I talked a little bit about Merton Hanks recruitment. I do remember this. It's kind of funny. It came down to Iowa and University of Texas. Fred Akers was the coach at Texas, and I've always thought the world of Connie. That's Merton's mom. Uh, they allowed Fred Akers to come in the home, and he was going on and on. And, and finally, at some point, Connie said, Coach, I don't even know why you're here because my son is going to the University of Iowa. And I think Merton had already decided that. It wasn't her decision to be made. She simply was helping Merton communicate that fact to the University of Texas. Here's the rest of that story. Uh, I, I believe it was that very year, maybe. I'm, I could be off on the years, but I remember vividly, it looked like in 1983, we were going to play in the Fiesta Bowl. You might recall we had a really good team in 83. And wouldn't you know it, Ohio State got that bid over us. And... Um, and it was simply because Ohio State had a lot more television sets. So the rest of the story, at that point, it looked like we were going to play in the Cotton Bowl. The only problem with that is the University of Texas had won that bid from the Southwest Conference. And a lot of people wouldn't know this to be true, but it is. Texas could pick their opponent. Texas said, Fred Akers said, no, we're not playing Iowa. Uh, he handpicked, I believe it was Georgia, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they muffed a punt to set Georgia up with an easy touchdown. They lost that game. If they would have won that Cotton Bowl game, they would have been in the national championship hunt. Uh, the fact that they lost it, of course, ruined their season. One year later, you might recall, Corey, we played the University of Texas in the Freedom Bowl, and it turns out Fred Akers was right. He didn't want to play Iowa because that night the score, 57 to, help me out, Corey, 57 to 10 or something, can't recall. I can't help you. Uh, oh, I, I don't know what it was. Fifty-five. I believe it's fifty-five to seven. But my recollection is we had fifty-five points at the end of the third quarter. We didn't score in the fourth quarter, and that's because, yeah, we do know how to attack man coverage, and we made Texas pay. All right, let's uh, let's go to uh, Erica for our final call of the night. Erica, welcome to the show. Oh, how's it going? Going good, Erica. Erica how are you? I'm doing great, thanks. Um, I'm obviously very happy about the news today. I think everybody probably could have guessed that if they've heard anything I've said on this show or others. Um, but I just was wondering, why does it seem to be a foregone or foregone conclusion that Beth's going to be the one? Um, I'm not saying she doesn't deserve it or something like that, but I don't see why we wouldn't do a search. Well, there's going to be a search because there has to be a search, basically, right, Don? I mean, maybe there doesn't have to be a search, but there's going to be a search. But I, I just... I think the, the reason why we kind of view it as somewhat of a foregone conclusion is because there's, there's a reason why she came here a year and a half ago being a, a, a Division I uh, FBS-level AD, jumping to a deputy AD position at Iowa. That tells you that maybe there's – I think that tells me there's there's reason to believe she thought she had a good chance of this job moving forward. Not, not a guarantee. Not a yeah. guarantee. Yeah, and I agree with you. Conduct a search. Um, but that's just my guess is what happens. I think at the time her mentality might have been a lot like Gene Taylor's. Uh, I've already been an AD at Ball State. I'll be a um, deputy AD at a Big Ten school, and then I'll have a chance to go somewhere else and become an AD, just as Gene Taylor did at K-State. Yeah, I think that was probably her, her rationale more than I think I'll be the next person at Iowa. 
maybe that'll happen, but may, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I agree with you, Erica. Do do a search and uh, get the best candidate for the job. No question. Yeah, I mean, if they do the search and she ends up being the best candidate, that's great. That's totally fine. But I just think we'd be doing a disservice if we didn't at least have a search. I agree. And then, you know, also, like, um, how can I say it? If we don't do a search, that kind of is business as usual in that the people you would assume who would get it, get it. And I don't want, it's not nepotism in this case, but like, you know what I mean? Just like next person up. It's, 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 with the, it's, there's an old term. It's politics. It's right? politics. Sometimes. That's right. Yeah. But, but at the same time, I, I don't want to, I mean, like I said, I think based on what I know about Beth, Don, she, she's a logical choice and she doesn't have any connections to Iowa that, I mean, you could argue that if they went out and hired Bob Stoops, that that's kind of unfair to other candidates because just because he's a former Iowa guy, like that happens everywhere, as you know, Erica. Yeah, um, I, I, I have to be on the hot seat for it. You know, we have a national reputation already for that. Between that and the offense we've had the last few years, so I just think we need to um, conduct ourselves in such a way to try to battle that reputation and get rid of it. I do agree with one thing you said, Erica. I don't think she has any, any um, credit to speak of in Iowa yet. She was only here last September. And if if you're going to name her the interim, does that suggest you're going to let her be the AD for the next 12 months and then, and then decide whether or not to make a change? That, that seems foolish. Why couldn't we make her the interim now and conduct a search at the same time? And clearly, she's one of the finalists for the job. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the other thing I'm a little bit worried about is, um, so let me step back, actually. I kind of have a feeling that they may have hired her a year ago or whatever it was, year and a half ago, to kind of start molding her. And maybe they, the higher ups, even higher than Barda, like, you know, the board and all this, knew that Barda would be either forced out or be leaving or whatever the case. Like, I, I'm not going to make any assumptions there that he was forced out, although we all know it's possible that that was what happened and they're calling it a retirement. But that's neither here nor there, but they could have hired her to start like getting her ready or for the job already, knowing that Barta wouldn't stay forever. Well, and I just want to, I, 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 that was a misinformation. She's only been here since last September. Thank you for clearing that up, Don. I want to make that clear. Right. She's not been here a year. Not and nine months. Oh, okay. okay. I misunderstood you. Okay. Well, no, I, I said a year and a half based on, uh, this is repeating what somebody said in the chat. Cause again, I have not, uh, researched Beth, gets but if you if you go you can go look at the the press release that they that the university of iowa sent out back in september september 7th when they hired her she was the director of athletics at ball state from 2018 to 22 uh, she was uh, the uh, coo at uconn from 16 to 18 so you never crossed did you cross paths we, with her we just missed her my last days at uconn were january of of 16 okay but you, you'll have a you'll have some common uh oh yeah we know a lot of the same people you're right yeah and then uh, she was also interim director of athletics at minnesota from 15 to 16 uh no she's got a good i mean there's a good that's a good resume she's a clemson uh, graduate and um got her master's from missouri st louis so uh yeah i mean based on that information i'd love to talk to, to beth i think it'd be phenomenal yeah and i've she- heard nothing but nothing but great things about her yeah she was a student athlete, so she could appeal to the student athletes in that regard, too. And, hopefully, you know, I think that they need to think about what direction they want to go to. Like, do we want to make sure that she's pro NIL, which I think the obvious answer to that is yes, because that's the era we're in now. It's not even the future anymore. It's the era now. Um, so I think it's really important that she embraces the swarm and, you know, all that stuff. And 
shares the contact information, like what Brad was saying. And they could even ask people if they want to opt out, you know, like when they sign up for, you know, whatever with the university, they could a question, you know, long when they ask your address and all this stuff could be, do you want to receive communications from us? And if yep. they opt out, then, then then simple. You don't share the information with the, with Brad. It's that simple. You know, they do that all the time with marketing stuff. So yep. hopefully that happens. And hopefully, you know, she holds people to account because I feel that that's something that was lacking during Barda's time. And, you know, all those lawsuits and all that, that doesn't help the cause either. And, you know, PR is so important nationally now, especially with how recruiting works and all that stuff. So. I think we need to be, I guess what I'm saying is we need to be prudent about who the next person will be. Yeah. No, I, I think we're on the same page in that. And uh, I hope that, uh, I hope that they have it because the, the Beth hire would be pretty smooth. I would think, I mean, I, I can't imagine she would say, no, I don't want that job. Right. <laughs> so hopefully she is qualified because then, then you don't have to worry about taking a risk on somebody you don't know. Hopefully you're comfortable with her and she's the marquee candidate. But if she's not, Erica, I agree with you. Hire the person who is. Yeah. And one thing I have to say too, is I was a little bit disappointed because in Twitter, which is, you know, <laughs> real life, right? Twitter is real life. A hundred percent. Some people are making things about how she's a woman and how um, she'll be the only woman AD in the big town, which I personally think is fantastic. But of course we have to start making it a political thing, which I really hope, that if she does become our person, that that doesn't end up happening, that it becomes political because I'm so disgusted with that garbage. And like I said on Mark's show earlier, Erica, I don't care what race she is or he is. I don't care what gender he or she is. Right. We right. Need, uh, Iowa needs the best qualified candidate. A hundred percent. And it's simple. And if, if it's a white woman, a black woman, a white man, a black man, a purple man, Asian woman, man, whatever. You know, we, we need the best candidate and right. uh, Iowa needs the best candidate. So I, I, I hope that uh, I'm, I'm sure that I would like to endorse the board of regents and the president that they're going to do the right thing and, and right. do a yeah. proper search and, and do their due diligence. So this is a very important decision in a very important transition time during you know college athletics and, and just the change. And if, if she's credited for some uh, starters there with the NIL uh, collective at Ball State, that's that sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah, that means she's pro NIL. That will really be helpful. We've had an Iowa's had an AD here recently that didn't know his left hand from his right as it relates to NIL. So well, yeah, I mean that's that's true, and that was a disappointment. So hopefully it doesn't happen with the new person. Um, one other thing I wanted to ask, and I think you talked a little bit about this earlier on Mark's show. Do we think that the fact that we're going to be having a new AD um, makes Kirk um, Kirk's retirement come any sooner? I don't know that it makes an impact on that. I think if there's anything, maybe possibly um, this is an indication that his retirement might be coming sooner rather than later. I don't think Barta retiring means, oh, Kirk's perspective, I'm going to go, I'm going to leave early. But I wouldn't be shocked if this is an indication that Kirk is leaving maybe a little sooner than some people think. But I, I don't know that. Don, do you have any insight? No, I don't. I don't I mean think it would have. Kirk did comment that he was surprised. I saw that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah. One thing I'm concerned about too is if we keep it in the building, you know, obviously assuming we do the national search and Beth is the best person, and that's all good and dandy. But I just hope that like, how can I say this diplomatically? Like I said earlier, that she holds people to account and doesn't let, pe let things go just because someone happens to be someone's son. 
you know, and that she does the right thing when it needs to happen. I'm not saying she should run in there necessarily and fire Brian, you know, of course I'm not, you know, I've made my thoughts and my opinions on Brian very clear. I think, you'd love, it if she, I think you'd love it if she came in and fired Brian. <laughs> I actually would. Let's but be honest. You, you'd I, love would, I would love it, but she doesn't have to do that. But if he does, if he doesn't, you know, if he doesn't do the job up to par, then absolutely she needs to fire him. So I hope here's that she'll, if it comes to it, I hope she does have the guts to do it. Here's one thing we all agree on. The next AD has to clearly be the person in charge. That's if right. not, we, if not, we made the wrong hire. Thank you. That's exactly what I was getting at. Because I got, I have the impression, I mean, I don't even think it's an impression. It's the truth that Kirk is, you know, he kind of has control of the, of the ship. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. And it's proven this year that, that's not always the best thing for the program that the HC, that the head coach is the one in charge of everything. So I'm glad, I'm glad to see that Barta's days are numbered and, you know, I hope he rides off to the, into the sunset and has a great retirement. I wish him no, you know, negativity, no nothing, but I'm glad that he's, you know, going to retire and that we get a chance to have a new AD that hopefully will be pro NIL and ethical and do the right thing for Iowa. Yeah. Erica, we appreciate your call as always. Always enjoy talking to you. Yeah, and one last question, Coach. Um, I'm still waiting on that cowboy hat, so I haven't forgotten about it. You're not going to believe this. Uh, from our 53 union, I have a Panama hat now. It's not quite a cowboy hat, but um, I do it's think if I'm, stand, if I'm standing there with 400 other grads of the class 73, it doesn't look too bad. <laughs> I don't have it right here in front of me, but – We'll get I could put it on, but it's still not a cowboy hat. It's a, it's a hat, but not a cowboy hat. It's a step closer. It's a hat. Now we need to get to the next step and have it be a cowboy hat. That's right. right. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. Thank you, Erica. Appreciate it. Take care, Erica. All right, folks. Don, this is – go ahead. I was going to say, Corey, before we take off, let me at least say a few words about baseball. Yeah, sure. There's a game tomorrow morning, I believe, 10 a.m. Is that right? I thought it was 9 a.m. Maybe so. Maybe it was advertised at 10 because they were thinking 10, 10 East Coast time. If it is 9, just be sure that the listeners understand. We have one advantage over Michigan. Michigan already has a loss thanks to Iowa. That means tomorrow that Michigan needs to beat us twice. And I'm assuming they're going to play them both tomorrow if there's a second game to be played. See, that's a good question. I believe you're right, but it is 9 a.m. tomorrow on the Big Ten Network. 9 a.m. Um, this I do think is critical for us to win the Big Ten tournament. I think it's really important for us to not require two games tomorrow with Michigan because to play two games, of course, would further take away from our pitching staff and leave us in less prepared to play on Sunday against whoever whoever wins in the, in the other side of the bracket. And I don't think that's been settled either. I'm sure that'll be settled tomorrow too. Yep. Been a I would fun, think. Been, been a fun uh... – Stretch here for Iowa baseball. It's not over. They, they got a great, obviously a great shot at making the NCAA's, and and boy, that doesn't happen very often when you're a Big Ten team, let alone Iowa. So uh, yeah, you know what? Just to watch them a little bit. What I like about them, there's no weak links in the lineup. It looks to me like everybody's capable of of being a timely hitter. So we we uh, we battle at the plate. We make good decisions uh, on when to swing and when not to swing. We don't chase too many balls at all. We got a lot of good contact hitters that can get on base. Of course, they can hit with power too. Solid pitching, ass defense. They're just a lot of fun to watch. Uh, right, the right kind of mentality. They're not going to give up. We come from behind any number of times. 
And, and so if we face a little adversity, we'll fight through it. Um, as you know, I have, have a lot of faith. I'm very impressed with Rick Heller. I do know this for a fact, Corey, because he and I had this discussion. They are very much into analytics. And you know what? That pleases me to know that our baseball people might be ahead of the opponent in terms of analytics for the game, too. So that's one more thing that Rick Heller and I have in common. It's a great appreciation for analytics. Well, Don, we've appreciated having you here for the last couple of hours. And, of course, Brad Heinrichs earlier, we've had a fun couple of hours. And, and uh, again, best wishes to Gary Barta. Best wishes to Gary Barta. I have no ill wishes on Gary. Uh, I hope he has a very happy retirement. And uh, we appreciate everything he's done for the University of Iowa. I do think this is a positive development. Um, and so, again, stick it right here. Keep it right here, folks. Click that like button. Click the subscribe button. Turn notifications on so you know when we're going live, when you know – when new content is posted, support the show by supporting our sponsors. We mentioned under the kitchen, Ascent Nutrition, and how about Aura.com? You can get a free trial, and when you sign up for a free trial, you're supporting the work being done here from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Protect your information by visiting www.aura.com slash Hawkeyes. I threw the link up in the chat. Please do this. It does help the channel. www.aura.com slash Hawkeyes to try Aura for free. Coach Patterson, we appreciate the time, sir, and Counting down the, the days, less than 100 days, not a kickoff. Always a pleasure. Corey, I'll share this with our listeners. You called me today and you said, Coach, how would you feel about doing a show uh, tonight? And I said, if it involves being on the air with you, Corey, I'm always up for that. That's just a credit to you. I just want you to know that. I appreciate that, sir. And uh, we'll, we'll look forward to hopefully many more in the future. Sounds good. I need to get you over here on Thinkbind sometime soon also. Let's let's do it. Let's get on Finkbine. I need to get on the golf course in general. All right, folks. For Coach John Patterson and Brad Heinrichs, I'm Corey Brad here from the Hawkeye of the Storm. We'll talk to you soon.